episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Paul can't join us this week, but we do have on the line a special guest, Logan, uh, who has been a guest of this uh, show before. I'm very happy to have joining us again. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, uh, Logan was a, a guest of ours uh, a couple of months ago when we talked about um, V for Vendetta uh, and violence, and I wanted to bring him back today because today we're talking about the movie Logan. Um, and we're going to be talking about the, the character of Wolverine, how it's portrayed in the movie, um, and some of the other um, portrayals that have happened. Um, and to jump right in, Logan, um, I know this has been a, a character who's been a real favorite of yours uh, as long as I've known you going back to high school. What, yeah. what, what do you love about this character? What really drew you to, to Wolverine? So Wolverine is the superhero with um, you know a lot of the realities laid bare. Uh, being a superhero is often – shown in in the most shiny and glimmering light of mm-hmm. purity and goodness that you can get and um you know he was literally created uh for i guess a darker purpose but it's a darker purpose that all superheroes serve so um you know the embrace of the character in in i mean even the the name of the character Wolverine is like the most ferocious animal you can you know maybe think of uh right. in the same category of animals as the honey badger so um you know they're they're kind of the badasses of the animal world and it's <laughs> very well named um, right very well named because you know he he goes there where other heroes uh well actually where other heroes do go as well but um without a lot of the the, the pearl clutching and hand wringing which you know to me just makes it honest yeah i mean i we've talked on other episodes about how there are certain characters who seem to have a, um, you know, like Captain America is always portrayed as such like a, an upright, good, and pure character, and and the violence in the way he's portrayed always seems similar. You know, he he might get a little bit of blood on his shield, but but for the most part, the violence he does is it's pretty, it's it's glorified, it it looks like something you can cheer for. Um, right. It, it sounds like from what you're saying, the way you've always understood Wolverine, when Wolverine gets bloody, I mean, he he gets blood on his hands. Is that pretty accurate? That is accurate, and he's usually smiling about it too, which is even more conflicting mm. uh, for a hero character. So for him, you think he doesn't have that – when you say the hand-wringing, say more about that in terms of like what, what's your perception. Well, you know, there's a – and I guess this sort of ties into some of my political thoughts as well. But, um, you know, to me, when you have to do something that is uh, questionable – you know, mm-hmm. one might say morally questionable, but it is for a good end. Right. Uh, if you're actually doing it for a good end, there's no need to prevaricate about it, in my opinion. Uh, and also, I, I would say, in Wolverine's opinion. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there's no need to say, well, you know, uh, it's really, violence is really not good, but since this person was a bad person, I guess it's okay. It's like, no, this person has put themselves against everything that is good for humans. They are an enemy, and they will be put down, and I'm going to go have a quiet lunch afterwards. Right. See, and I have to say that's fascinating, and we're going to get more into this when we talk about the movie itself because in in the portrayals of Wolverine that I've seen, um, especially in the movie Logan, I had a fairly – I had a very different reaction, which is to me what I saw was y- – you're right. I think the character doesn't have a moral problem with the violence, but, but I, I think the reason I liked it so much is it really helped me remember how much of a moral problem I have with violence. Um, and maybe this is where you and I oh, differ, but because to me it's like what I, I – I think when I see a character like Captain America, part of what scares me so much is that Captain America allows me to think that using violence for any means 
can be easy and good and and clean, as you say. You know, I mean, it's it, and it sounds mm-hmm. like that that it's that idea of like I love the fact that Wolverine reminds me that violence can be really. I I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like to me the fact that Wolverine is able to use the violence like that. I, I love seeing that because it scares the hell out of me. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, I guess I come from sort of the the other end where uh-huh. I view the the sanitized violence of most superhero movies as sort of ersatz. It's just like, you know, it's it's for the kids, and oh, yeah. you know, we we don't want to show them what's really happening when the Hulk knocks this entire building over and there's people inside it. Yeah, that that to me is it's unappealing, and mm-hmm. uh, to to get to see Wolverine basically unleashed was was great oh, yeah. uh you no know, it's just great and i mean you know the violence was it was brutal i mean it mm-hmm. was it was brutal it was gross and it was like um you know i guess for someone with more delicate sensibilities hard <laughs> to watch mm-hmm. but um but it but that's I mean but that's what's happening you know oh, what yeah. i mean that's that's like it was just very realistic well and to be clear i think from my perspective i, I i'm with you in that i don't like the, as you said, the sort of sanitized violence. Like I, if I'm seeing violence, I want to see it, see the reality of it. I, right. I guess it sort of feels like to me, Captain America and the Hulk, those sort of portrayals, they allow us to think of violence without asking hard questions. And I feel like that the what Logan did, what Wolverine does, is is really push us to say like, hey, wait a minute, if you're going to use violence, you got to really accept all the things violence brings, and are you okay with that? And you and I may have different answers to that question, but I think we both appreciate the fact that it at least makes us ask that question. Definitely. So, so with that, and we're already getting into this, but let me let me just kind of frame it. Then it sounds like you, to your mind, the movie Logan is this is this is the version of the character you've wanted to see? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, as, as, as a side note, I actually had to wait to see it because I refused to put any money into the 21st century Fox company's pockets. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that was very interesting. Uh, when I heard this movie was coming out, I was elated. I mean, I've been waiting until I, since I was like, you know, nine years old, uh-huh. essentially, to see a movie like this. But, um, you know, I, I could not in good conscience do it. Uh, I cannot say any more than that on a public forum, but I'll <laughs> say my conscience is clean. I, 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 I had to do kind of a delicate dance when Doctor Strange came out because I really wanted to see it, but I also didn't want to give money to it given the, the whitewashing and, and especially with the issue of Tibet. So um, yeah. I totally understand that. And I think I, I – um, with, with, the, with the ethics of this podcast, I have great respect for anyone who – you know, consuming entertainment is always about making those kind of choices. So no, definitely good for you for doing the – Finding a way to do that, but I also remember when I when I saw the movie, my first thought was I need to talk to Logan about this because he's been my lifelong like Wolverine fan. I want to know what he thinks. So, so I'm glad you did get a chance to see the movie in a, a an ethically in ethically a uh, conscious uh, keeping way. Um, and with that, how how did this movie match the the kind of thing you wanted to see for Logan? Um, so the my only uh, the only thing that was disappointing about it was that it's you know, near the end of, uh, I mean, obvious spoiler alert. Um, yeah, you know, it's, I, it's, I should say this, this will be full of spoilers for, for the movie Logan and pretty much for all of the X-Men properties. Um, so okay. if you haven't seen any of those, definitely see them. Spoiler alert given. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that it was, you know, when he's old and when he's like just, when it's, he's like at the end of his life. So, you know, the, even though, the character's amazing and the fighting was great and everything. Um, 
it was kind of like, oh man, like I had to wait until yeah. essentially the last movie of him to see what he really is supposed to look like. And as such, it was a little bit of a muted kind of, you know, stiffer version. You know, we're talking about a character who's fought ninjas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, is accepted as a swordsman in Japan. Like this character is extremely, extremely physically talented and multifaceted and, you know, so, I, I, you know, a younger story would have been great to see. Having said that, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was great. And it mm-hmm. was really, uh, it was visceral and it wasn't, uh, a lot of times wasn't pretty. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that made it appealing to watch. I mean, I, I remember, I, unlike you, I didn't really grow up reading the comic books. I'd seen a little bit of the TV show, but I knew very little about the character. And when the first X-Men movie came out um, with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent movie, but I remember kind of feeling like, what's the big deal about this character? Because he seemed like every other cliche of the lovable, gruff outsider who will yeah. always sort of say something a little bit gruff and, and mean, but but still kind of has the heart of gold. Um, yeah. And and that's not the character we get in this movie. This this seems like something very different than that stereotype. Uh, it is. And it's, um, I mean, I guess that's, sort of like him at again being at the end of his lifespan where and it's also like a pretty dark timeline right you know it's like a little bit in the future and it's uh well unfortunately something looks like the timeline that we're living in but yeah that's a story. This is also true. Um, Go on. but you know the mutants have been all but exterminated and like owing mostly to his longevity and just is pure like well good-hearted meanness i guess is the mm-hmm. way to put it um uh, you know he's he's still standing, and he has the, I mean, the, the blessing and the curse of like being the last custodian of like the great hero of the mutants at at what what appears to be their end. Right. Um. And so you know his, the character is kind of the you know in general the gruff but lovable outsider, and sometimes he's you know absolutely vicious and brutal, certainly, but like you never. He's ne- he's never a character that you can't trust, and that's that's something that's pretty important, I think, to to keep mm-hmm. in mind. But this version of him in the movie, he's he's just done. You know, yeah. he's like he's 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 seen the mutants fall. He's seen like the growing of this world. He doesn't recognize, and um, you know, it seems I think it seems to the character that basically everything that he's had to endure, uh, it was all essentially for nothing but he can't right. he just can't give up anyway. he can't stop yeah, yeah. I, I mean that was I, Paul and I and other, on other episodes of the podcast have talked about the, the fact that we're both pretty happy that you know more and more properties seem to be breaking out of the idea that uh, th- there's just one specific superhero genre and they're all you know movies about superheroes have to be the same and, and, and that to my mind in a lot of ways this this didn't feel like a traditional superhero movie this felt like a movie about a combat veteran with PTSD dealing with PTSD, and he just happens to have super superpowers. I mean, I I can't. That's a good way of putting it. I I can't think of a movie where I've really been this aware of the the weight and the damage that e- even if he loves the violence, but just the weight of that much fighting over that many years takes on a person, both physically and and psychically. Um, and and I really I... love that part of the portrayal. I think maybe I have a slightly different read on um, on what's eating him, and I don't. Go for it. I personally don't think it's the violence. I think it's it's mostly just survivor's guilt. And yeah, that's maybe a um, way of putting it. You know, I think like it, it's not. 
you know, the, the violence is not only part of who he is, um, but like, I mean, I know his natural rage is one thing, but it was it's amplified in Weapon X program and like, right. you know, it becomes that kind of like berserker rage is sort of a superpower in addition to, um, you know, just being a part of him. So like, I don't think, I just don't see that the violence itself or like the things that he's done to people are what's affecting him. It's just, it, it's it's basically having done everything right, but that still not being worth anything, you know. And all yeah. your all your friends are dead, and you know you've got pretty much nothing despite a life of public service. And it it seemed to me more like the more like the hero who has realized that the world is not a good place. Mm-hmm. And they had to fight for it anyway, and they probably have failed. And it's just terrible to have to reckon with. And and he's, I mean, he's just bitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably a better way of saying it. Because it, it's that bitterness and, and resignation almost of like, you know, he, yeah. he's been trying to fight and, and losing. Um, or, or winning every, ba- the kind of like, you know, you're winning every battle but losing the war. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, one scene that really struck me, and I wonder if you have the same reading as that I do, um, is that scene early in the movie where he first he's in the limo and he finds the guys, um, you know, trying to steal things from the limo, and he winds up trying to stop them, and, and it, it turns violent, and he winds up killing almost all of them. Um, yeah. And because what I saw in that scene was, I, I think you're right. As I think about it, it's not that he like has a moral problem with using violence against these guys. It's just that he just he's he's looking at the situation as like. Come on, guys! You're all gonna die if we do this. I don't want to have to do this. Can, you know, he tries to. Right. He doesn't want to have to fight them. Once it becomes clear he has to fight them, he will fight them, and he he has no problem with that. But it just seems like he has this sense of like, I, why do we have to go through this again? You know. And now that I totally agree. and I and I feel like that's the um that's that's the only thing that should be like the the hero's dilemma. Yeah. It shouldn't be like you know, oh, I feel bad that I had to. You know, I, this is a character who has no. There would be no question whether or not he would punch the Nazi. Let's just throw that out there. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's like, you know, he's just kind of in this position where he's like, if you if you hadn't have done what you did, we wouldn't be where we are. But you right. did, and so now it's on you. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I guess that's part of the resignation where it's like, you know, you you wish the world was good. You right. wish that people were good. You wish that people could be saved from themselves. But you know, through you know, over a hundred years of hard experience that that's just not how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. And I, I think that scene struck me in part for that. And also in part, because I, I get to me, there's always been in other portrayals of Wolverine. Like it's interesting when I hear you describe the Wolverine as a very ferocious animal. I, I know almost nothing about animals. I wouldn't have thought that necessarily, but I, but I think of, of the character as a very beautiful, like that, the, you know, the sh- the claws shining is one of the images that I almost always have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for that that first one of the first images to be his claws, like not like slashing someone's throat, but piercing a skull in a way that, yeah. for me at least, I I recoiled in my seat. I was like, ah, I I, I have trouble watching this. And I, I I yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to be sure, but. But I thought that was such an effective way of starting us off right from the beginning. Because like, like you said, saying like you might oh think goodness, this is definitely. great to watch, you might think this is terrible to watch, but this is what violence looks like. You know, This isn't going to be pretty. This isn't going to be anything but the reality of destroying another human body. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, the 
you don't get to see like you know when when Captain America throws his vibranium shield at someone, you know he's probably shattered every bone that oh, thing yeah. came in contact with. You know, we're, if you were to look at the aftermath of a fight with Captain America, it would be months and months of physical therapy and rehabilitation if the person's even ever going to walk again. You know, or just flat. I mean, like that that sh- that shield hits you in the head, you have a caved in skull. And brains right. are all right. over the place, or yeah. or your chest is caved. I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, I think, um, uh, on a couple of podcasts now, Paul and I, and I think also the one you were you you were on, we talked about like how many of these characters use, you know, Daredevil claims he never wants to kill people; he just hits them in the head with iron pipes, right, and throws right. them down staircases, <laughs> and like right. The, right. The, the potential for accidental death there is incredibly high. Um, yeah, that's true. It's true, and 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 like you said, in this case, there is no mistaking it. I mean, he just goes uh, beyond going for the throat. I mean, right, right to the head. Just there goes the limb, there yep. goes the head, and and it is totally in keeping with how I feel the character would actually do things because you know the uh, one of the basically he's like the ultimate DPS character. Mm. You know, he's like the character when you uh, when you for those of us who are like, gamer geeks, can you explain what that means? Oh, okay. So, you know, there's there's crowd control characters who, you know, like people who control the minds of people and, you know, but then there's characters who are just there to cause damage as quickly as possible and to as many opponents as possible. Right. And so, like, you know, if you have, you know, maybe they would send someone else to go and handle, like, the big boss, but the, like, hundred or so uh, soldiers or henchmen or whoever, they would just say, Wolverine, you go in there and you handle all 100 of them. And he'd be like, okay, let's do this. And mm. then you have 100 dead guys in a very short period of time. It, it's interesting. It's kind of an aside, but I, I'd never thought of this in these terms before. But what you said about how Wolverine isn't necessarily the one you send up against the big boss it is kind of fitting since against the, the, the traditional biggest enemy of the X-Men, Magneto, I mean, is the one person for whom Wolverine's powers are almost completely helpless since... Just useless, yeah. <laughs> being completely of metal, Magneto yeah. <laughs> can do anything he wants with him. Um, uh, absolutely. Well, and, and I, I, I love what we're talking about here with, with the way he fights because, to me, that's a great, a great transition to talk about um, the, the, the character of Laura, who I thought was just, uh, in a lot of ways, one of the best parts of the movie. I mean, that, that little actress was just amazing uh, and such a great story. And I, I, I went into this movie... Having some suspicions, but I didn't know that uh, my understanding is that Laura is a character in the comics, and so fans might have known going in that she was basically like a mini Wolverine. I didn't, um, and so the first time she uses her violence in almost in that exact same way, I was incredibly struck by, you know, watching the, the idea that now, okay, we've seen violence that's brutal and grizzled from a fifty-year-old man is one thing. Seeing it from an eight or a nine-year-old girl was just a whole other level of affecting. Um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, so what was your take on, on Laura's character? So, um, I, you know, I got, I got out of the comics game before that character showed up. So oh, cool. it was something of a surprise for me, but it was like, it was kind of a great surprise. It was uh-huh. like, this is, here's, here's his obvious child, like the evolution of this character, um, you know, at, at a very young age and just, you know, even more athletic and, you know, owing to being like smaller physically, like more gymnastic and, uh, and with the foot claws too. Oh man, it was, it right. was, it was great. Um, but it was also, 
their age was conflicting because it's like you I mean you know like you said when you, when it's like an old dude who's been turned into a soldier you don't really feel it as much but when you're like oh yeah like mm-hmm. you know her being a small a ch- I mean a child and a, a, a girl I guess also for, for whatever reason um, you know it sort of brings into sharp relief the idea that you know this is a a human being who has been perverted to being the perfect weapon yeah. and it's it, it's it's real it gets extremely real the I, second she shows up i mean i wonder if you had the same reaction um uh because to me the first time i saw her use her power it, in some ways it was a little heartbreaking almost because i you know i'm seeing logan as this hero but also carrying all the weight of what the last 50 or actually more like 100 years have done to him given his yeah. his aging longevity and i'm just seeing laura like at that start of the same path, you know? And when I saw her use that brutal violence, there's a part of me, I mean, there's a part of me that just thinks like, go, like, I'm so glad watching a, a female character who's able to fight like that was awesome just for the yeah. the way gender is often portrayed and, and, you know, great to see a young person be able to, but, but there was also a part of me that was just heartbroken, thinking like, it, it, you know, is she now going to be just as trapped by that weight that, that Logan carries? Um, did, did you have some yeah. of that or... Uh, well, I did, but what it – I guess what it did for me was it sort of showed me the – all right. So being talented, having something that could potentially help the world, uh, it, I mean it's always a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, And so even though it's sort of sad, it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, these great – uh, talents and and thinkers and um, you know artists and stuff—they're usually extremely tortured. Yeah. And so for me, it was kind of like, yes, she's kind of trapped, but she also has like you know she's tremendously gifted, tremendously special, and is is possibly going to be a great asset mm-hmm. to the world. Now it might not be easy for her, right? But that's kind of—I mean—that's kind of the, the the hero's dilemma. The hero is not. The, the hero's life is basically given over to yeah. the world. It, it's that red pill, blue pill choice from the Matrix, you know, of like, exactly. do you want to do this wonderful thing, but it's going to hurt like hell, or do you want to just go back to being, a, you know, a normal kid kind of thing? Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think it's a good point. And I think, I to me, it was, it, it's funny, one of the things that I loved most about this movie is how subtle it was. You know, I mean, I think we've seen movies before where, you have a grizzled old character who runs into a child-type character who is maybe their actual child or their adopted child. And and it's just so hard for the writer or the director not to continually hit you over the head with that theme of, like, this person could be you and how can you teach each other kind of thing. And I, I was really struck by right. the fact that those themes were obviously very strong in the movie. But, you know, I mean, the fact that he that she is, in a biological sense, literally his daughter – it's commented on, but but it's not harped on, you know? Like, we don't yeah. have that scene where Professor X is saying, you know, you know, Logan, this is the the path you could have taken. You can make her not be the person you could have been. Right, then it's, right. You know, in so many other movies, we would have had that. And 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 that, to me, it almost made it that a stronger connection because, because it was done so subtly. Definitely. And I think it was also in keeping with, um, you know, with the character. He's not a... Not a man of many words most of the time. Right. <laughs> um, so it sort of just went right along with the whole thing, and you know, not, not a, uh, 
not an effusive, uh, emotionally chatty type of guy, you know. It's just, so, so, it's just, just not the person we're dealing with. So you're saying a scene in which Wolverine and Laura have a long heart-to-heart and he tells her, like, don't grow up the way I did, that wouldn't quite fit your version of the character? Yeah, yeah not, not so much, especially not at, at the point we're given yeah. of him. Um, you know, he's. I, I think that he is uh, in some way, well, no, more than in some way, extremely gladdened by her existence and i think that's like one of the reasons he's able to like you know give his life over yeah. essentially is because he's like there is there is a future you know there is a future and there is you know i can see myself being passed on and i have passed on something positive even though like you know i had it i had it terribly right but like we're still in this and the the character being um so there's you know one of the the things about having a power like he has he's a meat shield basically because he can and i think that is it's one of the it's like you know even say nurses or doctors or people who can handle a lot of pain and uh and stress and uh, just you know who can handle the sort of psychic damage they have a great ability but the but you know they're their gift for having that ability is that they have to use that ability. Yeah. I, I mean, so, I've, I've always thought it's ironic and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is that Wolverine's actual only like mutation power is that he can heal incredibly well. Right. I mean like yes. all of the, the fighting and the, you know, people then turn him into a weapon, but that's not integral to his actual, he, to his actual mutation. Right. Or am I missing? Yeah. Something? I mean, I think, you know, you know, we have heightened senses, um, but the healing factor is really that's that's the number one. Yeah. yeah, I mean that even made like the, um, you know that's why they had to use, use his genetic material because that's what makes it possible for someone to survive. Right. The process of having all that stuff done to them, mm-hmm. uh, it's just the healing factor. So yeah, it is. You know, it's it's one hundred percent a blessing and a curse. Right. And, and it's kind of like, um, you know, even this is sort of a tangent, but like. The idea of being a vampire, the worst thing about that would be you get to live forever, but you get to watch mm. everyone who's not a vampire die off because of your longevity. So it's like, by nature, you're going to have a kind of tortured existence. Right. I mean, it's such that, like, we, you know, so much of it seems like human philosophy is railing against our mortality. And yet the, vamp- yeah. the vampire condition is all about saying, well, actually, <laughs> mortality isn't as bad as the alternative in some ways. Right, um, right. Well, and, and, and to go back with the character of Laura, um, again here, one of the things I saw at the end, and I'm wondering if you saw it the same way, because you know a lot uh, – my version of the character is obviously much more narrow. Um, but, you know, he he has been this outsider all of his life, and he's always, you know, struggled to sort of fit in with the X-Men. He's been on the outside, and it's this constant tension he has with Professor X. And then at the end, one of the things at least that I, I got the sense that he is seeing – is that Laura is really accepted into that circle of mutants in a way that he never really was. Am, am I kind of projecting in there, or do you think – did you kind of see that too, that on some level maybe part of why he has hope for her is that she seems to be fully accepted into that group and, and, and to allow herself to be accepted in the way that he always kind of wrestled with? Yeah, I think it's um, – I don't think it's that he wasn't accepted. I think that he just has always felt like – an outsider. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, a lot of that is just, you know, his, his life arc and the sort of just the way he came up. There's, you know, the outsiderness is less from his powers because he is, 
I think the sort of character who would feel alienated from the world, even if he weren't a mutant, that's just sort mm. of part of like, you know, just part of him. And that's actually one of the things that I also like uh, feel simpatico with about the character. It's like being, you know, being part of groups, but not really feeling like you're really in the group and sort of being able to look at things from outside them, even if you're in them. Right. Um, and, and so that was pretty powerful, but I think that her, you know, willingness to, or, you know, whether it was a question of her being literally more accepted or just her, her being willing to be part of the group, I right. think was very heartening for him. Um, and you know, it was, it was great to see. Yeah, to be sure. I mean, it seems like such a, um, it, it's wonderful the way they accepted her and I, <clears throat> the way he sees that, uh, the way we'll say, um, for me, and I, I thought this was very powerful, but but again, one of the most scary moments in the movie, in some ways, is is that the when the kids are all being chased, and and a, and a number of them ha- haven't really used your powers. And I was I was remember sort of thinking them to myself like, these kids are mutants. Why are they just letting themselves be chased? Um, and then the first time you really get to see most of them use their powers is when the, um, one of the really big bad guys, you know, gets knocked down, and they all gather around him. And are all basically using their powers at the same time to kill the guy. Yeah. And I mean, this is one of the most evil people we've met. This is a guy who's tortured children. It is a truly deserved death. And it's a gruesome death, and it's a terrible yeah. death. And I, I remember yeah. the looks on those kids' faces. Like, you know, there's that part of me that wants to cheer justice, these kids are doing what's right. And there's a part of me that, again, was just flat out terrified because these looked like scary, scary kids in that moment. Yeah. Uh, I feel like so. <laughs> this actually that it sort of brings me to um, I think an interesting point we're at um, in the country's history and in like the the mass mind and yep. the 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 failure of empty liberalism. I think is is basically when you're when you're watching these kids like destroy this person that deserves to be destroyed like yeah you're like oh my goodness these poor kids like you know and i there was a little bit of that going on in my mind as well yeah but you know what that's like the the time for feeling sorry for this person is long over Mm -hmm. you know it's like there is a tendency to for people who consider themselves good to be weak yeah in a way that is, you know, that often is is derided by, uh, I guess I would say the right or, you know, especially the far right. Um, but there is some truth to it, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, the the ability to look at reality and say, this is messed up, but this is what has to happen is something that the, the left needs to accept much more. We have to say, you know what, I don't care that that's a person, you know, we have to make an, you know, obviously the idea of being able to parse out the fact that people are complex and, you know, no one is all evil or no one is all good and that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, I get that. But at a certain point, a person makes decisions or has made enough decisions to where 75% of the things that they've done in the world are evil. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. that person is now, they are now an evil person and they deserve what they get. And we shouldn't feel bad about that because as we, you know, tiptoe, towards solutions for justice or for, you know, the pushing of progressive or liberal or just humanitarian causes, when we are too measured in doing so, we lose every time because of our own fear of the violence within us. 
No, and I, I think I think it's that last line of what you said. It's the fear of the violence within us that is for me the issue. Because the, the fact is, and I, I am, you know, I I have trouble with the idea of any human person ever deciding that someone else deserves to suffer. Um, but I but I certainly agree with you in terms of like this is a person who was a threat to them. He had to be put down. I have no sympathy for that villain. My 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 concern there is for those kids, and it's because you're right. There's a part of me that still feels like. I recognize that we have to do terrible things sometimes to fight for justice, you know, and this is what we talked about in the V for Vendetta episode, you know, that like that terrible things sometimes have to be done. Sometimes you have to stop being Gordon and start being Batman. Yeah. Um, but, but there's a part of me that still holds on to this idea of that, that I, I, I want to be able to shield children, you know, I want to be able to shield the, the quote unquote innocent from having to know that terrible truth. Um, yeah. And, and maybe that's a part of what this movie was so good at is saying like, why? Like, why do you think these children have to be shielded from that anyone anywhere else yes. than anyone else? You know, because um, and, and I think that's why I like this movie so much is it makes me really challenge those things because I I hated seeing that those look that look on those kids' faces and it made me. I mean, I've spent a lot of time since then wondering why. You know, why did that trouble me so much? Um, and I think you're right. It's because we still want to hold on to that idea of innocence and purity, and that idea can be a pretty destructive one. Yes. And I mean, and also, you know, one of the biggest things is stigma. I think that, you know, if you, those kids will grow up having lived with people who have, you know, who have their powers, they see the powers used, uh, you know, they've seen death, they've seen destruction, but they've also seen acceptance. Yeah. And that acceptance is, you know, it's, there are so few things that are not made better just by being able to be accepted in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of, you know, violence, just violence is bad. Okay, like, I get that that's sort of the the axiom you have to go with. But, you know, these kids should never be made to feel bad for, first of all, it wasn't their choice. Right. You know, so, they, they, like... The, just as much as it wasn't Wolverine's choice in that first scene with the limo driver. Like, they, he try, they both try to avoid this situation. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, you know, there's, so... You know, uh, we have to accept, literally just accept, like, no, this is who these kids are. And also because of what's been done to them, they are they are living their truest selves at this yeah. point. You know, it's that's like true. it's like watching a boxer or something who's just, you know, that's that's yeah, they make terrible faces and they're they're just and whether or not boxing, I, I think, is ethically, you know, a thing we should be into. That's a whole different <laughs> story. Sure. Right. But like that's. You know, you're watching somebody. Uh, one of my favorite Wolverine lines is, "I'm the best at what I do, and what I do isn't very nice." Hmm, that's such and, a good line. And but that's yeah, like they're... that kind of you know isolates the whole thing for me. It's like we do have abilities to you know I I enjoy martial arts, mm-hmm. and that involves hitting people as yeah. hard as you can. You know, and I probably when I'm fighting, I have made some sort of. <laughs> some faces that people make people go like is this guy normal like, <laughs> what is going on in his head right now like why is he smiling he's kicking this person right but i was smiling because it's fun and because i worked hard to be good at it and i was succeeding at it in that moment and that is for me an unalloyed good right. especially considering it's an appropriate situation right you don't go out try to find like random strangers to do martial arts on you're doing it with people who have consented to be a part of that because they're trying to kick you just as much too Exactly. Well, and, exactly. And what you said there, I think, especially with the stigma, really rings true for me. Um, and it, it connects to um, uh, one of our recent episodes that Paul and I did was about um, the character of Magneto, 
And and one of the things we talked about on that is that I always thought one of the one of the best things about the Magneto character is how much he really fully embraces the idea that being a mutant is something that a person should never have any shame about whatsoever. You yeah. know, and that 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 it that um that that a person should never feel like you know when he when he talks to Mystique or to someone or to Beast or any of them like other people might think that you are ugly by their standards, but that that is their failing, not yours, and that you should yeah. never feel like. That, that your difference makes you bad or, or anything less than beautiful in any way. Um, yes. And I, I kind of feel like that connects to what you're saying now about the stigma is that you're right, that these kids shouldn't feel – the fact that the, just who these kids are is something that someone like me finds a little terrifying, that, that that's on me, not on them. Right, right. They are who they are and that's – you know they had no choice but to be that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's actually a good way to segue into the other kind of major character in, in, in the movie that I wanted to talk about because I think it's such an interesting um, contrast with Logan it, uh, and with Magneto, obviously, is Professor X, uh, Charles Xavier, who, right. who really we should call Charles or Xavier in this because he's, he's not a professor anymore. Um, yeah. I probably more than anything else – I mean the, the first moment when he says fuck – yeah, you know, just like early on in the movie, <laughs> yeah. I I was just so clear, like you know, because he's so often portrayed as the all-knowing, all-loving, you know, grandpa figure, and to me, this is the movie where the all-loving, all-knowing grandpa has Alzheimer's, and we're just right. seeing the ugliness beyond the facade. Um, I I, I can talk forever, but w- what did you think of the portrayal of of Professor X in this movie, of Xavier in this movie? So Xavier is um. <laughs> He's the he's the centrist, apologist, good-hearted type at the end of his life, where he has seen the failure yep. of of his attempts to please everyone, mm-hmm. and he has truncated his own power and unwittingly caused the people he is protecting to truncate theirs. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure he feels more than anyone else the weight of the failure of, uh, you know, we could call it the mutant movement at the time. Because, you know, his attempt to control and put it on this sort of, you know, peaceful, apologetic path, maybe that's part of the reason that it failed. I I mean, in some regard, I I, I don't know how much this is a commentary on the whole rest of the X-Men universe, but in this movie, at least, you sort of think, well, maybe Magneto was right, you know? Definitely. I mean, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, that, that that conversation, the the one between Mag, you know, Magneto and uh, and Xavier, is one that sort of exposes the, the sort of centrist tendency towards, you know, that that America has. Right. You know, like someone who is uh, the amount of times people say that I am too radical or whatever to me is it's it's crazy to me because I'm like, no, actually what I am is a real centrist. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have where the world is right now and where the world should be. And, you know, maybe there I'm in the middle of, right. Right. But I, you know, anything that's called the center in the current political system we have is not the center at all. It's so far to the right. It's ridiculous because that's just where we are. Right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, you know, for me, Magneto is a character who, should he should more often have been a hero, but too often he was a villain because the idea was that these people who, you know, and even and even uh, the character of Xavier is is complicit in this as well. It's these people with these special gifts that make them so much more interesting and amazing 
you know, even the person who is their greatest leader is telling them to tone it down. Yeah. And Magneto is like, no, don't tone, like turn up, go ahead, turn up, like do you. And is often looked at as a villain as a result. And to me, that's kind of like, uh, yeah, the the character of Xavier is so interesting in this because he he's kind of an extreme failure. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I think that's one of the, like, as I always saw it, I mean, obviously Wolverine and Magneto were always kind of enemies, but 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 Wolverine, in his own way, was also just as critical of, you know, uh, of Xavier because he was so much like, look, I don't, you know, your whole, you know, let's all sing kumbaya together and, and hold hands. That's what Wolverine wants no part of. Um, yeah. And and to me, I obviously it's for storytelling reasons, but I also think there's something very powerful about the fact that, you know. Of all the things that – of all the, the people who Xavier tried to sort of keep around him to keep him sit, you know, to as part of his whole, you know, army, his, his whole community, at the end of the day, the only one who can now keep him safe and who can take care of him is Wolverine, the one who's always that outsider and who's always kind of standing against what he was talking about. Definitely. But it, which is also <laughs> like what – one of the things I feel um, – it's the people who will tell you the darkest or most unpleasant things that you can generally trust the most. Right. And that is something that our society really needs to embrace. I really feel like this movie was super, super timely because as we enter the, this darkest timeline, we need to start paying attention to the people who have for years been like, you guys, the world is an awful, evil place and you're not seeing it and we're not doing enough. And now we're getting to a point in history where, you know, the Xavier's of the world have failed. No, and, and, and we it, have to... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, I, was, I, I think you're exactly right because I think for me, that's probably why I identify so much with Xavier because that's been, I mean, you know, um, I, I, I was, I, for a long time, I was that idealist. I was the, you know... In some ways, I still think I'm a lot more nonviolent than you are um, in terms of my, my philosophies. But I still was – for a long time, I was very much of the belief of, you know, if we just talk it out, everything will be okay. We can always rationalize with each other. We can always find the good in each other. And and for me, one of the real heartbreaks of the last five years or so has been coming to the realization of not only does that not work, but that, that embracing that philosophy is what makes us so vulnerable to the kind of attacks that we've been under for so long now. Um, and I think that that's what I see in Xavier. I, to me, Xavier is it, 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 such a, a sad character because I see him as a man whose dream has died and who's come to realize that, you know, by holding on to his idealism, he's actually wound up causing far more pain than he ever right. – than, than in actually helping. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Um, and, you know, the, the idealism is a good thing. Yeah. But it has to be combined. I mean, really what it always should have been is, you know, Xavier and Magneto should have been the co-leaders. Right. The, the, because both of those voices are necessary. But the problem is often that, you know, well, I guess, you know, it, it goes back to the political system again. Like the people who most often get silenced are the far left. Right. The people who are the most aggressively fighting for freedom or justice are often the ones most quickly told to tone it down. Right. And so, you know, and so what happens is, you know, the, the other end ends up running wild and you end up in the darkest timeline. 
you know, because you, you, you told your friend who was like, hey, you know, that guy just that guy just threw a rock at you, you know, go, go, go punch him. And you're like, no, no, let's let's take it easy on that guy. Let, you know? Let's find and, out why he wanted to throw the rock. Let's talk right, to him. Right. And and, you know, I'll, I, I'll say just, you know, as a as a, on a personal note, like I don't you know, violence is absolutely not, you know, it's not the first it's not the it's not the fifth option that one should take mm-hmm. but you know there are certain people and and as far as you know politically speaking conversation is definitely important and um another one of the thing that is often said is that political correctness is kind of da- is kind of damning us because if someone ever says something to you and that just their choice of words makes you shut down you're you're doing yourself a disservice there should be no one word or one sentence that makes you unable to have a conversation with a person, unless we're talking about something like, you know, say, I don't believe black people are people. Okay. We are not talking anymore. You're done. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have, uh, you know, say you're very religious or you don't, you know, you don't believe in abortion or whatever, like I can talk to you. Right. Right. We have to have really hard, really difficult conversations and we need to be able to do that without, immediate condemnation of one another. However, there are lines and there are lines even with just thinking that once a person crosses that line, they have basically shown themselves to be an enemy of the basically the future of humankind. I definitely hear where you're coming. I think I, I'm probably a little more on, on the understanding of political correctness just because of my, my understanding of how, how triggering some of that stuff can be and that I, I, I think the general principle of trying to be strong enough to have conversations is always good i just am always like i never know how someone else is going to be triggered and so i always want to be careful of you know deciding for someone else what is or isn't okay language um but i definitely hear but i definitely hear your point and i I think that that um just to pull it pulling it back to the character somewhat i think um with xavier i think the thing that 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 gets me so much is, is like you said it's it's that that centrism of um, in some ways, it feels like it's almost his character. Is, he represents the hope that is dying, you know, which, which is odd because I feel like yeah. uh, uh, this is kind of a new thought. So I'm, I'm, I'm flashing it out, but tell me if you would see it this way. It's almost like the hope that Xavier had represented is dying and, and literally dies, but is being replaced by a different kind of hope in Laura, you know. And I think there's an interesting shift that happens there Absolutely. because instead of it being like Xavier's hope, now it's much more a hope of the kind of future that Wolverine would have had, but but if Wolverine had that kind of community that 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 Xavier and to some extent Magneto wanted him to have. Oh my goodness, absolutely. I I I really I I love that because it's exactly where I think the um, extreme hopefulness of the movie comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean even um, in our current world, like you know, uh, polls of people who are younger than 30 their opinions are fantastic by and large you know that's like that's where the world is going and the people who are older than that who have you know had to fight super hard to get almost nowhere right like even though we may not all survive another 50 100 years i mean humans who knows Uh but (laughs) the the youth now they do get it and they and they accept and understand each other in ways that i'm sure um you know people who are older but w- for were outsiders for whatever reason 
you know, they can look at that and, and be heartened. Right. Um, that is something that, I mean, that to me was really a great parallel to where, where the world is now in terms of a lot of things. Um, I, I mean, just, just the idea of them all fleeing for the Canadian border was something that I was like, yep, I know what that's yeah. like. I, I, yeah. Canada is the promised land. I, I can understand that. Um, yeah. Though it did, uh, this is a total aside, but um, did you think it was kind of a weird thing? I, I'm wondering, did you think it was symbolic at all that in the movie they are fleeing for Canada? And in my understanding, Canada is – not that the Canadian government did it, but that, that what happened to Wolverine originally, it all started somewhere in the north woods of Canada. Like do you think that's just a weird coincidence or, or do you think there was some, some meaning there? Oh, absolutely not. No, it was like sort of a, you know, a return to the cradle kind of thing. But just like you know, the, the game has changed. But right. I think it was definitely, definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, no question about it. Um, well, and I think the, oh, the whole refugee thing was made the movie even more timely. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I've heard the director or the writer say that they actually, as the sort of Trump, like the movie was obviously made before Trump was elected, but that as as his, his campaign was picking up speed, they, they, they intentionally sort of punched up the story of the, the refugee idea and the fleeing, refu- the, the fleeing refugees for the border, because that was such a, a, a relevant thing for our own world. Definitely. I mean, you know, and all, and the Syrian situation was long underway. Oh, so, yeah. you know, and there's there there are untold refugee crises going on and have been going on since before long before Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I, I feel like I have to say every time I'm talking to anyone. Like yep. this a lot of the stuff that's happening. Sorry. It, this didn't start with him. It won't end with him. Exactly. Not, not even close. And. There's so many things that, you know, and that's that's actually part of it is the character of Wolverine has been seeing this darkest timeline coming and trying to prevent it. And now that it's here, Xavier finally has caught up to where Wolverine was, you know, mm-hmm. but it's too late. And I, it's uh, what is is that the 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 Cassandra? Complex? Cassandra, the, yeah. The Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah. That that I mean, that sort of complex was, I think, a lot of. Um, what the character of Wolverine was showing in this movie. I mean, one thing, some of my favorite sort of um, political memes that I've seen recently have been about, like, that what basically is happening now is that white people are having to deal with being treated the way black people have been treated in this country all along. Um, and, yeah, and there's not al- even close. Th- th- there's almost sort of some semblance of that. in the, like, To me, this movie reminds me of that because it's basically like what, you know, what, to some extent in all those... Uh, situations between Xavier and Wolverine, basically what he's saying is like, oh, Charles, okay, now welcome to my world. You know, you've gotten to live this privileged world off in your mansion while I was, you know, you know, running around in bars in northern Canada and driving limos. Now you, Charles Xavier, are going to have to deal with the stigma and the hate that I have faced all of my life. Um, exactly. I, I mean, and, and it's, um, if you think about it, I mean, they're both mutants, right? But you know, Xavier is not besides being maybe the most powerful mutant ever. Right. Um, also has a, a very pretty and very politically acceptable power. Yeah. You know, he's got he he works with the mind, and he's you know, and he's like a. I mean, it's he's the very the opposite kind of, of messiness. You're, yeah, he, he, it's the opposite of messiness. There's never any blood. There's never any damage that's done. Exactly, but of course, you know, Charles Xavier is a far greater threat to the world than Wolverine could ever be. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, some, in some ways, I, I often feel like 
Um, not that I, this episode, I, I'm 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 pushing a lot of our other stuff, but um um, but almost a, a number of months ago, um, with a great guy named Greg Haley, he was a guest star. Um, we did a um a whole episode just on the ethics of mind control, and talking about how in a lot of ways, like what Charles does. In a lot of ways, it's like you know, violating the body, like you know, slashing the body is terrible enough. But what Xavier does is just to flat out control people's minds. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if you've seen Jessica Jones. Um, I have. But yeah, I, one of the things I thought that show did so well was really just showing just how how completely violating mind control, either in its kind of subtle real world manipulation variety or in the like comic book world of literal mind control. But what just a complete violation that act is, um, in a way that like we you know every you know, but we never see with Charles. You know everything Charles does is portrayed as like for their own good or for the benefit of others, and what he is doing is completely taking control of other people and making them do what he thinks is right. Yeah, it, I mean, absolutely is more violating and uh, sort of less fair, I guess mm-hmm. is the way you could put it. Um, but yeah, but, you can't fight you know, back. Right, right, and uh, and it's also extremely sanitized mm-hmm. because you know you, you you don't see it. Yeah, there's never blood. Uh, there's never any problems. Totally, totally. I'm 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 absolutely with you there. And it is his uh, extreme privilege, basically, mm-hmm. you know, to to be able to. I mean, I guess, and that kind of does go ties into what we were talking about before. Is that you know he has the privilege of being able to kind of look at things in that sort of centrist way because he 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 can pass yeah you know what i mean he's got like passing privilege it's um oh man i forgot the respectability politics basically is is what you know mutant respectability politics is the world that xavier lives in and and being someone who's you know got metal bones and really good at killing things you just don't get that kind of pass you know and just if you take it back to the other discussion we're having like that's I don't think it's at all coincidental that the different the differences between Xavier, who grows up in this very privileged world with a power that is incredibly you know hard to like you said respectability it's hard to notice he passes, compared to Magneto who is born you know in in the in a, a literal ghetto you know I mean the, where the word you know the Polish Jewish ghettos yeah you know you know then he's in the the Holocaust camps and he has this power that is literally warps the world around him in ways that everybody can see. Um, yeah. And I think there's a very powerful message there about... Because I do, like, I, do, I do think there's an, a needed tension between there and that there's some ways which Magneto goes too far, that Xavier helps to pull him back, but, but that, that, that the only way Xavier can have the beliefs he does, many of which are really problematic, is because of the extreme privilege he comes from that neither Wolverine nor um, Magneto does. Definitely. Definitely. And, I mean, you know, I, I think what what you just said um, kind of kicked off in my head the idea that we should be letting the characters like Magneto and the Wolverines and um, I guess like Laura, you know, she's off the leash from yeah. day one, right? So she's going to have to learn to pull it back, but she's learning to pull it back after she's learned to fully be herself. Right. And that makes all the difference in the world. Without growing, you know, when growing up with the stigma where you're always sort of driving with the brakes on, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that it, that happens too often to to people in this world for oh, yeah. being different in any number of ways, you know. 
and it's it's far it's 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 really late in life when people even fully discover themselves for that reason. I, I mean, I think this is the first time we're going to quote Disney on a, the Superhero Ethics <laughs> podcast. But what it reminds me a lot of is the movie Frozen and the whole concept of that that song, "Let It Go." Um, which have you seen Frozen? I have not seen Frozen. It's it's wonder. I mean, it's a Disney princess movie, but it's better than most. But still has all the cheesiness inherent in that. But right. an essential part of it is this character who. Um, forget, I'm now going to spoil the movie Frozen. I apologize to anybody. Um, but uh, do you mind if I spoil it a little bit for you? I should no, check. go right ahead. Okay. Um, it, there's a young girl who has the power to freeze things. And all of her life, her parents have told her, like, be super careful of it, be super careful of it, be super careful of it. And eventually at some point she sort of just breaks out and decides, screw this. I'm going to embrace the wonder and beauty and joy of my power. And and the third, the theme song of it called "Let It Go" is this incredible anthem of self discovery and self power that I've heard be claimed by a lot of people in terms of like you know coming out as being queer or gay or trans or or racial identity or any of these things um, because later in the movie she does start to say like I can recognize that that the things that I do can harm others and so I'm going to choose to self regulate out of a desire not to harm. But I'm going to let go of ever having any shame or doubt of the beauty of the things I can do. Yes, and it's just, absolutely. It's a beautiful story, and I feel like that's exactly what we're talking about here. Like it's that difference between someone saying, "Laura, you're this wild animal, and that's scary and bad. Be careful," versus saying, "Like, you know, hey, you've got a beautiful singing voice. Let's not use it indoors all the time." You know, it's that just kind of like <laughs> I like that, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's a wonderful. Because I do think that that's we, – we so often teach people who are different, especially children, to modulate their difference so that they can fit in. Um, yes. And so what a powerful way of saying like, no, y- your difference can be beautiful and wonderful. Y- you know, maybe you don't slash open the throats of your friends because that's not really very nice. <laughs> right, right. Well, like when she's about to kill that random guy for just absolute – just about nothing. Oh, yeah. For, you know, she's stealing from like... a 7-Eleven and he – doesn't want to be stolen from <laughs> right 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 yeah right. yeah she has to learn to be she has to learn you know i guess learning how to operate in society is different than uh learning how to try and transform yourself into what society wants yeah and it's such a subtle subtle line but but it's such yeah. a good thing to be thinking about um I, I, we've gone almost an hour and i don't want to go too much longer but i wanted to talk, touch on two quick ideas before we close um, one is, I mean, the, the savior is such a common trope in in comic books and superheroes and, and, and any kind of movies like that. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it, but Paul and I just talked about Iron Man and how that was such a, a travesty of, of a bad savior story. Oh, well, I didn't see Iron Man. You, you're not missing anything. Um, okay, good. Wolverine seems like a real twist, on, especially in this movie Logan, on the, the savior, um, savior idea. What, what's your take on him as a savior? Uh, well, I mean, he very much is. He's like the he's like the true savior archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you, oh man, just in every way, I I I just loved that. You know, his character is basically vindicated by the end because he, you know, his ability to just endure and yeah. to survive was was the only thing that could have could have saved you know the kids and saved the future of mutants and you know i feel like he's the kind of savior and and it's a messy savior too mm-hmm. 
It's not just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this thing. Away. No, it's like he has to give it all. And he has been giving it his all for his entire life. Right. You know? uh, so this, how he's like wrung out. And I mean, it was kind of a depressing movie. Oh, very you know? much so. Um, except for, you know, and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, man, like, yes, yes. He he basically like. You know, it's his real daughter, first of all, which is, you know, which is just kind of nice for that sort of, I don't know. There's just something that resonates about that, even for someone that doesn't well, believe in having kids, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, you know, but he he really is able to save his kind. And he also, you know, the way that he looked at the world is also being passed on. It's like, it's like literally he's saving them. And also yeah. it sort of vindicates his worldview. Um, the whole, everything sort of comes together. And um you know that that little touch where with with changing the the cross to the X. Oh, that made me cry so hard, and it was such it a was beautiful so moment. It was so good. Yeah, and, and I it, um. Oh, go on. Oh, go ahead. Well, it was funny to me because, like, I I don't think in in any way I I am myself Christian, and I don't mean to say that in any way I think that the lo- the story was trying to tell a Christian story. I think very very much something else, but there was something that. Even in, from that perspective, I could really resonate with it because, first of all, just the whole idea of of the suffering that he goes through and the idea of like carrying the suffering of others being a very like what Christ is, you know, theoretically does on the cross. But but also just that shift of because you know the the Christian ideal of the suffering savior, the way it's often presented is so incredibly sanitized, and and the switch from the cross to the X, I thought because of that was so powerful. Because it was a way of saying, like, no, that's not the kind of savior he was. He was his own kind of savior in such a powerful, needed way. Um, that yeah, that that one moment is, I think, one of the most powerful of the entire movie. Because um, just just yeah. the way it captured, and because you know, to me, it's like he takes on all of that for himself, and also that to some extent, Laura saves him because I think he is able to die. Like he dies, she doesn't save him literally, but she kind of saves him from the hopelessness that he was in. Um, you know, and so that, that it's a little bit of a, a give and take there. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, you know, the X for like, I, you know, yes, it was for the X Men, but also he's Weapon X. Like, it was not just. Mm, oh, I hadn't thought you know, of that. Yeah. It was not just you know, like he's the hero of the X Men. It's like no, he, it, it, him especially, like this character especially, his way of looking at things, and and he in he in some way is like the true father of the new movement because yeah. he had to embrace these things and, and, and wrestle with them and deal with them in, you know, for his entire life in ways that like, you know, even Xavier didn't get to until he was super old, you know, he, he's, there's something about Wolverine. And I think this was even true, you know, as he's with in, within the group, within the X-Men, he is kind of like the heart of the team. Oh Yeah. Well, and, and that's so interesting because, like, I, 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 my understanding is that until the X, the X in X Men was always supposed to be for Xavier, um, and and Professor X, like Professor X's team, and and I, I, I think there's an interesting idea of it, it being like now that the X is no longer for Xavier; it's now for Project X. It's now for Wolverine. For Weapon X, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I thought that um, the X was also something like for word extraordinary. I don't know. I don't. I think yeah. um, I think there's a lot of things that it was, but I I completely agree though that mm-hmm. you know it can be looked at as having switched from 
the the, the Xavier the Xavierian yeah. look at what the X Men should be versus the Weapon X way. Yeah, my my, my comic book knowledge is so so sparse that take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, no, I hear. I mean, mine's kind of old too. So. Yeah, but that's actually that that that's a perfect tie-in to to the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is. You know, we've been talking about how this movie comes from comic books and it is like kind of different than the normal comic book story. And, and I thought there was a really interesting, not, not quite fourth wall breaking, but an interesting bit of self-referentialism, if that's a word that I just made up, um, but a bit of being self-referencing in that in the movie world, comic books about the characters exist. Um, and I was just kind of wondering, what was yeah. your take on that? Because I thought that was such an interesting way of playing with the idea of where is the line between the hero that we worship and the reality that we have to see. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's, I think that was a great touch for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, because you know, the, he, I mean, Wolverine clearly hates the comics right? and I think his hatred of it is, um, it's a little bit less, uh, he's saying that he kind of hates him because it's all phony, but I think a lot of it uh, is his. It just it's painful yeah. for him to just look at the past and like look at you know it's like watching your the the glory days of your youth when you believed that everything was maybe going to be all right and then you are in a place where it very much is not all right and it just hurts to look at. But um, but but putting them in there definitely shows the you know the divide. Um, but also I think for me it was it, it showed that. For, you know, for Laura and for the kids who had grown up on the comics, it was as real as could be. Yeah. So they actually did take they, – they took the message of those comics, uh, you know, as basically a source of life uh, in a way that even someone who lived through them couldn't, you know. Like the, the reality of the situation may not have been what the comics presented, but I think it's also – it also sort of showed how – you know, the fictionalized accounts of important things can be super important to the next generation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you're talking about that, the word that keeps coming to my mind is mythology, you know, and that like there right. was basically a, mytho- a, myth- a mythologized version of Wolverine and the X-Men and that, that there's a real problem if we start to think the myth is real. But then also we need myths because myths are part of what give us hope and p- myths are part yeah. of what give us the idea that like, because I think, I mean, one of the, you know, all the th- it was interesting when you were talking about being a centrist yourself because it's like you see to me the kind of centrist you're talking about is you see all the brokenness of the world as it is and you're not going to pull any punches about how real that is but you also see the possibility of a different kind of a world um, and, and to me that's kind of what the comic because it, in, in a lot of ways Wolverine isn't that centrist at least at the start of the movie he's just the world is broken and it's always going to be broken and I don't think it's ever going to be anything but broken and, and the comic books, at least as I see it, like them are part of what helped give Laura and, and the, the woman who helps Laura at the beginning and, and the rest of the kids a, a sense that there is something else possible, even if they don't see it and even if it's really hard to see with all the brutality around them. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think um, also the character of Wolverine has just lost um, – I mean, well, <laughs> has lost all hope and enthusiasm um, and and also forgets that mm. they did do so much good. Yeah, and that, that's true. You know, some of the mythology is 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 true, right? right. It's like they did you know, defeat in, those great evils and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, you know, saying, you know, like uh, Martin Luther King, you know, was had questionable dealings, uh, 
you know, is maybe a philanderer and mm-hmm. like all this stuff. And but but guess what? He also was one of the greatest men ever to live. And that's right. no less true. Just because there are things about the reality that are uh, unpleasant does not make the the mythological greatness of some heroes right. and, still and, that great. And we can say that, like, yes, he did not cure racism by any means, but people also aren't riding on the backs of buses. Like, there are, like, tangible things that are better, you know, because yeah. of those heroes. Um, exactly. No, and that I think that's interesting because I think that that's I mean, oh, there, I, there's so many things I think this movie can teach and that are really wonderful lessons. Um, but but the, to me, that's one of them. It's just it, it's this wonderful statement about both the need because it's not saying don't myth, don't have heroes, don't mythologize heroes, but it's also saying there's a real danger in doing that, so be careful doing that. Um, and I think that that's a you know when I. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny because I, 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 I'm obviously very critical of things like the Captain America and Thor and, and, and movies like that, which make yeah. this just, you know, entirely whitewashed, quite literally, images of heroes. But I'm also just as critical of the, the you know, like I loved Breaking Bad as a TV show, but, but I kind mm-hmm. of hate the idea that like there's just no heroes at all. You know, that kind of world of everyone's an anti-hero. Right. Like, right. And I, this is, I think, I want to love about Logan is it's saying like – Yes, take away all of your ideas of heroes as pure and perfect and good and wonderful. All of that's bullshit. But also don't forget that there can still be heroes even in the midst of all that ugliness. Um, I mean, absolutely. And also that, I mean, I would even take it a step further. And it's like, you know, take away the the idea that heroes are perfect or that they don't do some awful things but that what they are actually doing is perfect and beautiful and wonderful. It's, it's, it's a messy process. And in, in revealing the mess of the process, it allows us to, to remove our illusions about it and to fully appreciate what's going on. And to me, that's always, I mean, uh, you know, speaking about like the Bible um, and like the idea of the savior character, that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, the Jesus character is less effective for me is because, uh, you know, ages, whatever, 10 to 30 are omitted. So yep. you don't get to see the mistakes and the the the, the becoming. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I've read some of the Apocrypha and it, it's, you know, it's really interesting because a lot of that's in there. Oh, yeah. And there's one story in the gospel, only one, because you're right, they're almost all up, but where – little boy Jesus runs away from home and his mother's worried about him. And I, I, one of the best sermons I ever heard was about like, you know, put aside how smart little boy Jesus is at the temple. The point of the story is supposed to be that like the idiot kid ran away and scared his mother. Um, And then says something saucy when she finds him. Oh, exactly. But you're right. No one ever talks about that because we don't want that image of the perfect Jesus. We, you know, we want that image of the perfect hero character. Right. Um, Right. Because no, I think you're right. I think that that, one of my favorite sayings is never let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, and I think that's, we love to tear, we want things to be perfect and up on a pedestal. And then once we tear once we see that, you know, they have feet of clay, we want to tear them down. Um, right. Rather than just saying, okay, they have clay feet, but you know, the, we, we, we have a bad, um, I think societally speaking, we're bad at averaging. Yeah. And, you know, the, the everything's an average, everything at all times. It's always a moving target. And, you know, to say that someone is a good person, you, you, sh- you can say those things, 
right? Mm-hmm. Good people do bad things. They just do way fewer bad things and they do good things. It's right. pretty simple. You know, it's not it's not even that complicated of of an idea, but it's one that we seem to have a hard time, you know, dealing with. And uh, you know, exposing the flaws in any hero for some people destroys that hero, but for me, it's just like, no, that makes it I'm glad because man, I have lots of trouble sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I don't want to get out of bed, or sometimes I'm like, oh, I see this thing that really needs to be done, and I, I don't want to do it, or I don't want to say something about this because it's going to offend this person. But I know it's something they really need to hear, and you mm-hmm. just need to get over the messiness of reality in order even to be good. Yeah, no, and that's true because I think it's that it's you know I I think if you read the comic book Wolverine. He's never going to be able to be a role model, or not, Wolverine's the wrong idea. But like, if you read the comic book version of most heroes, you tell yourself, "I can never, I can't. This doesn't inspire me to be heroic because I'm not perfect the way that person is." Yeah. You see, though, the the reality of it, though, and you can say, "Okay, you know, I can stumble, I can fall, but I can still do good, the way that these other people did." You know, and and there's real power there. Definitely, definitely. There's, um, I guess uh, the last thing I'll say will brings it back actually to the Wolverine character, uh, my favorite series of comics ever is the uh, the Wolverine miniseries that preceded um, him getting his own comic series. Just There was four of them, and uh-huh. it was him going to Japan to basically fight for his, his uh, girlfriend's honor, whatever, Mariko Yoshida. Just look it up. It's excellent. But anyway, during one of these things, he gets called an animal, and he's made to feel like an animal, but he has this whole soul-searching thing where he's like, you know what? Maybe like accepting that there is animal and man – is is part of it and that's Mm. and that's what really this is all about and it like and you know after that he goes back and he wins and it's all you know that's when the basically the the good ending doesn't come until he accepts the fact that yeah some of sometimes the things that my enemies say about me are are right but that doesn't make me any less a hero if i keep to what i really believe in and i do what i believe to be right that's really beautiful i like that a lot and it, it that really strikes a tone for me with all the like – I mean to me one of the, when I look at like Wolverine and Laura in this movie, the, the, the first word in terms of how they're similar is that comes to my mind is feral. You know, They both are embracing yes. that animalistic nature and I think there's something wonderful about that like that that doesn't have to change the, that you're just still just as much of a person and still just as much of a hero. So. Yes. Well, awesome. I think that's kind of a good place to, to wrap up. Any other sort of last thoughts on the movie you wanted to make sure we covered or, or shared? Or has that, that gotten no, it all I, for you? I think that about does it. Cool, cool. Um, well, thank you, Logan. Um, it's been awesome having you be on this. Um, for people who want to know more about you and, and what you're doing, um, I didn't give you a chance to give a bunch of an intro. Um, what are you up to these days? And where can I know you've just written a book. Um, where can people find you and your writings and, and the work you're doing? Okay, so um, my primary work is um, with dogs these days. Um, I have a company called Urban Dog Care NYC, um, urbandogcarenyc.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, all over the place there. Um, yeah, that's most of my writings currently about dogs. I wrote a book called Putting Paws to Pavement. Uh, that's about the, um, you know, just working and living with dogs in cities. And uh, it's kind of a, a tips and uh, but also a little bit of philosophy about how it's actually a, a very great place. City's a great place to have a dog. Um, I also write about politics and things, but I don't really have um, – a place for all that yet, but you can follow my political Twitter, uh, which is um, I of Uni- I of Unity. Um, I think it's uh, 
Oh my goodness, I completely forget what my Twitter hashtag is. Well, what I will do is in the show notes that will get posted for this show, I'll make sure to list uh, links to where you, they can find your book and where they can find your Twitter. That is a great idea. Awesome. All right, well, thank you, Logan, so much for being a part of this. Thank you for continuing the conversation. Um, everybody who listened, um, let us know what you think. Did you love the movie? Did you hate the movie? Um, what's your take on Logan as a hero? What's your take on Laura as a hero? Um, tweet at us. You can find us. Um, on both Twitter and Facebook at Superhero Ethics, all is one word. Um, you can also search for us on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, leave a review there. It's a great way for other people to find it. Um, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear feedback from you on this or, or whatever topic uh, dear to this character in this movie is on your mind. Um, so on behalf of myself, Logan, and Paul, who know would want to join us, thanks, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs>